Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We have been dealing with marriage and divorce and, um, and sexuality issues and how they intersect not only with our home and with our uh, church, but also with our culture. And so today we're, we're tackling quite a big question that will obviously bleed into the next week, which is this, brothers, what does the Bible teach about homosexuality? I think very directly it would say that it is, it's wrong. Um, in the book of Leviticus, and I know people are saying, well, that's Old Testament, it doesn't apply. Um, it, it does um, for lots of, of reasons, um, namely because one of the verses that Jesus quotes from the most comes from the book of Leviticus. So if the book of Leviticus is a dead book to us, why was Jesus, I mean, quoting from Leviticus more than any other book? Um, that would seem odd, but maybe more importantly, it's it's still a legitimate book as far as teaching us princes about how to live because it's a book that deals with holiness. That's the key word of the book. And so what it's trying to tell us is how do we as an unholy people live before a holy God? And we read in, in Leviticus 18 verse 22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Um, that's a strong, loaded word. Um, and so what God is saying is, no, you don't, as a male, lie with another male like you would with a woman. That's an abomination. That's, that's sinful. In chapter 20, it says, if a man lies with a, a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. So those are strong words. And it's not just in the, in the Old Testament. What will happen is those will be brought up and addressed in the New Testament. Um, Romans 1, um, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, homosexuality is in so many lists within the New Testament about things that are sinful, things that are wrong, things that um, are going to incur God's just justice, his, his um, condemnation and punishment. So... What does the Bible teach about homosexuality? The Bible teaches that it's a sin against a holy God because it goes against what God's good design is, which was male and female. Mm-hmm. Because there's been a lot of confusing messages about this out there in the, in the culture and a lot of misguided ideas about what the Bible says. And by the way, in the last 30, 35 years, there's been probably more ink devoted to this than just about any other issue in biblical interpretation. And let me just tell you, as somebody who's given most of my adult life to studying the Bible um, and the original languages, when it comes to homosexuality, these words mean what they mean, and they say what they say. You can try to twist them. You can try to readjust them. You can try to pull them, yank them out of their context and make them say something else. 
they say what they say and they mean what they mean. You can disagree with it. You can say, I don't accept that. But the Bible says an absolute and, and clear no to same-sex relations, uh, whether male or female. And there, there's really no ambiguity about that. If you want to do a scholarly study, there's a book right in front of me by a guy named Robert Gagnon, The Bible and Homosexual Practice. If you're, if you're interested, that's, that, that's the definitive work on what the Bible says. And it's, it's a scholarly work. It's, it's not a terribly easy read, but if you, if you really want to dive into it, that's the place to go, The Bible and Homosexual Practice by Robert A. Gagnon. You know, I think I said on, on the, the broadcast last time is that the philosophy that's undergirding much of our culture today is existentialism, which is the idea that our um, existence precedes our essence, which is just another way of saying whoever I think I am is who I am. So I am objectively defining my own essence. And um, that type of philosophy is very problematic when you approach the Bible because the Bible tells us who we are objectively. And I know, I imagine there's a, um, an unbeliever listening to us right now, and one of their first uh, responses to, the, to us saying that homosexuality is a sin, as the Bible declares it, is this knee-jerk reaction that says, oh, you Christians are just bigots. But that's actually a secondary kind of type of truth. The first question you should be asking is, is Christianity true or not? Um, before you get to the issue of, of homosexuality, that's the question you have to deal with. Is there objective truth in the universe? That's what, the, that's what we claim, that the Bible is giving us answers for everything in the universe about who God is, who we are, who Christ is, what sin is. And I think we should also just be honest and say, does the Bible spend a great deal of time and attention on homosexuality? And the answer is no, it doesn't. Right. I mean, it's mentioned a handful of times in the Old Testament, it's probably mentioned a half dozen times in the New Testament. So is that the overarching meth- message of the Bible, of this anti-homosexual just text? No. But that doesn't mean that it's not significant. It doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't say anything. Sometimes you have people that will say, well, Jesus never talked about it. Well, that's actually probably not true. I mean, did he ever call it out by name? No. Did he at least make implicit reference to it? He sure did. Um, So I don't think that's a great argument. But I think we need, as Christians, need to say, okay, it's not the overarching theme of the Bible. It shouldn't be the only message that the, the world hears. But the question becomes, so why? Why is the church so frequently talking about homosexuality today Um, that seems at least disproportionate to the amount of times that the Bible spends on it. So what would you say to that? Well, I would say because we're responding to the culture, which is coming after us and and pushing against what Christians have taught for 2,000 years and for the Hebrews a couple of thousand years before that, we're responding to uh, questions coming from our culture, and, and not just questions, but an attack coming from our culture, saying, you have to approve this. Yeah. And so we're, we're as kindly as we can, and we, we're going to often fail. And yeah, yeah sometimes we're going we're gonna to be judgmental, and we're going to be human. But as best we can, we're responding to that and saying, no, uh, here's what the Word of God says. Here's, here's the good will of a gracious God who loves his creation. Yeah. 
that this is not his will for you. And I think we're going to see, I, I hope to see more Christians talking about the evils of socialism. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing that parallel is because socialism is, is invading our culture at breakneck speed. I mean, we're going to have a presidential candidate in this next election cycle who is an open socialist. And, and Christians should be saying, well, why are we talking about socialism? Well, I'll tell you why, because the Eighth Commandment says, thou shalt not steal. And that whole, that whole political theory is built on stealing. So why should Christians talk about socialism? Because it's coming at us in the culture. And the same answer is with homosexuality. It's not as if we're, we're, we're racing to this sin because this is the pet sin that we hate above all others. No, we're, we're being, trying to be faithful witnesses in our time. And I think we should just acknowledge that homosexuality and homosexual behavior has been, unfortunately, a part of the world from the earliest stages of the biblical record. And the fact is that it was always seen as wrong. The difference of today is that we live in a culture where people are still practicing homosexuality, but now they want culture to say, not only is it okay that you can do it, that you have the right to do it, but that we agree with it and that we're going to sanction it, and that it's not just about allowing, it's approving. And we as Christians just can't do that. Right. I mean, yes, if, if two people want to engage in homosexual activity, we're not going into bedrooms and we're not even saying that we as a state should make laws against that. What we're saying is we're not going to support saying that which the Bible says is wrong as something that is, is good and is, is, is worthy of endorsing and encouraging. And I think Phil mentioned it off air. It's not just about tolerance. There really is a group of people that are saying, we not only want the ability to do it, we want you to say it's okay. And if you don't say it's okay, then that makes you a, a bad person. And we're going to actively um, come after those type of people because they're bad, because they're bigoted. They're mm-hmm. all these things. Look at the soccer star in Australia, yeah. a guy named Israel. I think that was either his first name or his last name. He was he he was kicked off the – not the soccer. It was rugby, right? Yeah, kicked off the rugby team, and he's been – penalized and fined. Why? Because he had a Facebook post where he actually just quoted 1 Corinthians 6. Now, I'm not, I don't know his personality. I don't know if he's a kind Christian or a hateful Christian. All I'm saying, all, all, all he did was quote a, right. a passage right. from the Bible. Right. My wife's uncle, who is supportive of same-sex marriages and homosexuality and all these things, I mean, posted a couple years ago that he was going to go get a, a chicken sandwich without hate, meaning he wasn't going to eat a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A because naturally they're hateful people because they've right. taken a, a biblical stand against homosexuality and same-sex marriages. And so because they've taken the principled stand, a biblical stand, therefore, by extension, they're being called those that are filled with hate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, and let me take this in a different tack, because I think part of that accusation of hate comes from an assumption that's often made in the secular realm that something that is is not freely chosen cannot be a sin. And the assumption is because, and and particularly among gay men, will testify they did not choose their desires. 
And let me say very clearly, I have absolutely no reason to disagree with that. I believe them when they say that. And I've had gay friends that have told me that, that they did not choose this. And so the secular argument is, because this is unchosen, therefore it must be given by God. And even, even people in the secular realm will sometimes use the, bring in the God argument, Therefore, it must be a gift of God, and how can it be a sin because it's not chosen? Well, brothers, I, I, just speaking for myself, I won't accuse either one of you guys. I have all kinds of impulses that don't honor God that I didn't choose. And it's because I'm a, sin, I'm a sinner. I don't just sin. I'm a sinner. I have a sin nature. And praise God that in Christ, I'm you know, setting me free from that. But... And you're no longer defined by that. And I'm no longer defined by it. I'm defined by Christ and who I am in Christ. Thank you. But the Bible is very very clear. The the, the Bible never, never says that something has to be freely chosen in order to be a sin. That's a secular definition of sin. The Apostle Paul talks multiple times about our being slaves to sin. It's something that holds us captive. It's not something we control. It's not something we can turn off and on with a switch. So, let me just say, we're running out of time here, and we're probably going to have to continue this in the next show. Freely choosing something does not make it a sin. But isn't this a great cliffhanger? Because now at the end of this week, you're wondering, where are they going with this? We're wondering where we're going with (laughs) it. Yeah, thank you. But however, we'll come back to this next week. See you next time. (laughs) 